Hey everyone, and welcome back to the latest season of New Way, the podcast that explores the connections between people, our communities, and the ways that context shapes faith. I'm your host, Sarah Hayden. A lot of the pushback I get on this thought process is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And it's true. But when you say that, you're presupposing that you already knew the entirety of God in the first place. You only know what your worldview is of God, unless you've really worked to push outside of that. And then even in that, we're talking about this huge, huge entity. For me, it's like, well, let me hear my neighbor, because my neighbor is part of the Imago Day of God. So let me hear what my neighbor has to say, and let me see, does this connect to anything that I understand already? Or let me just hold it on the shelf and wait, because I've got many more years in God to go. My next guest, Gina Brown, is the curator of the faithstudio.org, where the guiding scripture is, for where two or three are gathered together because they are mine, I will be right there among them. When we kicked off this latest season, the first two guests that came to mind were Gina Brown and John Matthew. Both of them curate ministries that are predominantly online. There's a strange intimacy to these virtual spaces that we inhabit these days. Here we are, all of us, Our home spaces contain in little square boxes on Zoom, and we see each other's faces, which isn't always the case in our traditional worship, when we're often looking forward in the same direction. Context shapes faith. Context shapes community. As Gina and I discuss in today's conversation, our communities of faith can encourage people to show up in their own vernacular, to share about their experiences of God, in conversation with others, and to grow as a result. Because Faith Studio and Harbor Online, which we touched on in episodes one and two, are also dialogical and relational, the relationships and impact of the encounters represented in their collectives aren't limited to any particular sphere, any more than what happens in a church building on Sunday morning has to be. You will experience in this conversation how Gina's reverence for the mysteries of faith and her own open-heartedness toward God and her neighbors create a truly special kind of community that makes spaces for awareness of the divine to grow. Let's jump right in. Gina Brown, thank you so much for being here today. It's a real pleasure to have you. Thanks, Sarah. It's a great opportunity to be here as well. I'm kind of excited, a little nervous, you know, scary. Yeah. (laughs) No, I feel those jitters every time we have a conversation because... The stories are significant in these conversations. The stories that people tell, they're sacred. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, sacred's an excellent word for it. You mentioned last time we talked that something has always been on your mind about belief in God, that you came to the realization that it had always been there. Yeah, so I was... I've always had a particular thought about God, but was never able to find a space where that thought fit in. Mm. And so in my early years, in my younger years of going to church, my family's church, my adult age self can say that what I was seeing and what I was living didn't match what they were talking about at church. Even having the maturity to pick that up, but I didn't have the maturity to understand that there was a difference between people and God. (laughs) Because the people represented God to me, the people were not so nice in a lot of instances and not fear in a lot of instances. And that made me feel that God wasn't right or not fear. Mm. And so I walked away from the church at a very young age, 
I think the cheap way of saying it would be to say, I didn't believe in God, I was an atheist. Many years later, I realized that I did believe in God, but that the issue has really been about being good with God, but not good with the structures that surrounded God. And I've only recently found this out, recently figured this out. I believe that that is probably one of the cornerstones or bedrock to the faith studio is that I recognize that what I would say it's been like 30, 35 years later, this realization that I'm not the only one Mm. whose lived experiences in the church, in the small C church, have not matched and have been very narrow, found the church to be very narrow. Uh, Like I said, this is just a last two week revelation. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) In a workshop trying to discern what the why of Faith Studio is. Why it exists, the purpose of Faith Studio. Yeah, trying to figure out why Faith Studio exists. What is this thing that God is birthing through me? And I'm realizing that you know, I have all of these sound bites. And so the sound bite for this is that, you know, the faith studio exists to hold the church door open just a little bit wider. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know? Right, right. You said, like, if God has desired to save the whole world, then why has the assembly made the gate so narrow? Yeah, yeah. And I think we struggle, this mostly church struggles with the idea of diversity, diversity of thought. You know, a lot of times when we talk about diversity, we're talking about ethnic origins, different ethnic origins and stuff. But there's also this idea of diversity of thought. And when I stop and think about it, it's like, we all have the right to believe what we want to believe. And how we ascend to God should be included in that, right? Mm. So if we pick the Christian faith as our framework for attaching or relating to God, then okay, cool. But even in that, God is the God of diversity. We're created in his image and in his likeness, and we all look and are, and our uniqueness is so different. And yet the church seems to have a problem with the difference and the diversity. Yeah. I can't imagine when we talk about this huge, huge God that we're all meant to see it all the same way. Mm. And that has been... I would probably say like a a lifelong faith quest for me. I found this picture that there's a number six on the ground. There's a gentleman on either side. You guys might have seen this as well. There's a gentleman standing on either side and they're pointed to and the guy is saying, this is a six. And the other person standing on the other side saying, no, this is a nine. And the other person responds and says, hey, if you saw this from my perspective, you would know that this is a six. Mm. And the reality of it is, it is both a six and a nine. We don't all have the entire picture, but we can't control people's perspectives. Yeah. We have to learn to balance things and hold things together, intention together. It might not be the way I see it. I might never agree with you, Sarah, that it's a nine. (laughs) But I should have respect that you see it as a nine and believe that you see it as a nine. What a more interesting conversation. Tell me about what you see versus... This is what is clearly reality. Tell me about why you see a nine. You know, what's significant about that? Yeah, and be open to having that conversation with you. A lot of the pushback I get on this thought process is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Yeah. Right? And it's true. But when you say that, you're presupposing that you already knew the entirety of God in the first place. Yes. 
Yeah. Right? You only know what your worldview is of God. Yeah. Unless you've really worked to push outside of that. And then even in that, we're talking about this huge, huge entity. So for me, it's like, well, let me hear my neighbor. Because my neighbor is part of the Imago Day of God. So let me hear what my neighbor has to say and let me see, does this connect to anything that I understand already? Mm-hmm. Or let me just hold it on a shelf and wait because I've got many more years and got to go. Wow. <laughs> yeah. This reminds me of a story that you told about coming into sort of a, the formulaic expression of the faith, your experience of feeling seen by God and sharing that with the church body that you belong to at the time. So I'm a person who's been through many, many (laughs) faith traditions. And one that is very near and dear to me is believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you'll be saved. Mm -hmm. And that's the entryway. When we were talking, I was telling you a story about something else. And I said, when I got saved, and then I was like, hold up, wait a minute, let me back it off a little bit. Let me reach back before that. Mm -hmm. Because the reality of it is, is that I was having conversations with God on my own in my home. Yeah. And when I told others about it, they said I got saved. Yeah. That terminology, I grew up in Bermuda. And so my family church is Church of England, which is Anglican, which can be Episcopalian. Mm -hmm. There is no come to Jesus moment. Yeah. So this terminology, when my friend says to me, you got saved, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, because now this is a whole nother iteration of faith that I'm not familiar with. Right. That terminology wasn't germane to me. Yeah. And I wouldn't have characterized my experience as that. It just didn't feel like anything had changed. Mm-hmm. It just felt like something had evolved. Yeah. In the story and in your work with the Faith Studio with folks who are either they maybe did not belong to a congregation of faith and experience of faith that was formal growing up, but have this yearning, this expression and relationship with God that draws them to the faith studio to explore more, to belong. Your experience of sharing an expression of what is a lifelong relationship with the holy, you shared that with the church and they said, oh, I know what that was. You were saved. The saved piece in a lot of American Christian circles means that is the point at which you were seen by God or you saw God. And the stuff before that was you not having a journey with God. This is probably where the complications begin to come in for me is because even while I was saying I didn't believe in God, Mm -hmm. I still believed in God. Yeah. (laughs) But not the way the institution said it was supposed to work. Yeah. And so that's what made me believe that I didn't believe in God. Yeah. It wasn't prescribed the way everybody else talked about it. And so there was this big celebration. It was this amazing celebration when I finally came to the church and they had me pray the sinner's prayer and everything. And I remember all of the mothers of the church, this was on a Wednesday night, all of the mothers of the church came up and greeted me and hugged me and people I'd never seen before were crying and all sorts of things were happening. And I remember knowing for sure, not that something has shifted in my life that particular day or that particular moment, but the celebration of it made me realize that it was huge. Mm. Mm. I began looking for the trails of what that hugeness was. 
why were they celebrating this like this? At home, it didn't feel like anything <laughs> that really... Between me and God, let's put it like that. Between yeah. me and God, it felt like I finally said, I know I've been with you all this time. Mm. Like, you know how a kid be resisting their parent? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just resisting, resisting, and I think I was resisting God. But I finally relaxed and like, okay, okay. Mm. I'm going to go with you. Mm. And that was a beautiful experience. But what immediately happened after that, I was ushered into the institution of the church. That was the step. You've had this experience of the holy. Now you are. Now I'm at the church. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm at the church. I love the way you said that. So you said before, like, your experience was not categorizable. The experience that you had relating to God, being in God's presence in your home, you go to the church, it becomes categorizable you were saved and you were in the church. I think it got kind of narrowed. Yeah. It got kind of narrowed down to this one specific thing happened to you. When I think what was happening in my private, in my more intimate space, mm. so much was more was happening than how we defined we got saved. Yeah. Yeah. If I look back now, it's like, okay, you got saved means you got safe. You made it to home base. Mm. But the world had just opened up to me. <laughs> Everything was now doors wide open, go where you want, do what you want, see what you want. And I became immensely God curious. Mm. And that's what drove me through all of these different experiences that I've had. Yeah. Gina, you are laser focused now on these moments in people's lives of curating what I think a couple of years ago, you referred to me, you were pointed of saying, this is church adjacent. This is not church. This is church, church adjacent. And I, and I asked you today, is it still church adjacent? This is the face studio. Say someone comes to you and says, I became God curious. We know what often our religious institutions engage that or not. How do you want to engage based on your knowledge of that experience and your presence with people who are acknowledging the divine's presence in their life. What is like a healthy or liberating next step? That's a good question. As I'm growing and discerning Faith Studio, I'm finding Faith Studio is probably developing into the thing that I wish I had. Hmm. Where it wasn't necessary to choose a camp. <laughs> I didn't need to choose one denomination or one way of doing it. I just needed to seek after God how God desired me to seek after him. And so what Faith Studio, I believe we're trying to do, or I feel God is leading me to do, is let a person show up how they feel they need to show up. Don't impose any restrictions on them. Faith Studio is open. It's just open. When we have our sessions, we're open, and you're free to talk about God how you desire to talk about God in the vernacular or the denomination or traditional formation, <laughs> however it is, because I've been through so many, I probably extra languages <laughs> yeah. yeah, and say it however it is you want to say it and ask the questions that you want to ask and it be okay. Yeah. This summer I wrote this blog post about naming God. It was this little funny story that I added in in the beginning is that in my first experience in going to a Pentecostal church, they were singing, Yah is an awesome Yah. And I was like, oh my God, what is that? But you guys, <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> where am I? <laughs> and who is Yah? Who is Yah, first of all? Because yeah. I only knew Jesus and God. 
So who is y'all? <laughs> is all of this extra activity going on, you know, a very demonstrative environment? Church of England wasn't doing that, <laughs> you know? So I was very nervous and I made this statement about how there was a time where everything that was different, I believed it to be demonic. So I had to look around because one, I had to check that I believed that God had led me to this space. Okay. Two, oh, they're singing this song to the tune of God is an awesome God. So there was some familiarity. And then that set me on a journey of trying to seek out the different ways God is called. And I used that as an example that because... A lot of the times that which is not familiar becomes problematic. It comes with all of the nerves and all the feels. I mean, you can imagine just walking into a Pentecostal church for the first time in full bloom praise and worship, you know, all of that. And then hearing God being called by a different name. I called that baptism by fire. And I think sometimes we have these baptism by fire experiences in God that shake our faith the way we've settled in it the way we've known, the way grandma did it, the way my mom did it, the way I grew up in it. And it shakes it and exposes us to other aspects of faith or different ways. We talked about diversity earlier, different ways that people approach God as opposed to us saying, oh, that's not of God. Yeah. <laughs> what if it is? Yeah. What if it is? What's the fear behind that for people? What if I go into this worship and I'm participating in something or I'm present in an assembly where it may not be of God, even though everyone's saying it is. Well, I think that's the fear that it might not be of God. Yeah. And we live in a very binary environment, right? Mm-hmm. It's one thing or the other. God or not. Demonic. Or, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's God or it's demonic. It's black or it's white. There's a right and there's a wrong. And unless it's your formation, a lot of us don't have very much familiarity with formations that are not what our family did. Yeah, you know, just on a less serious note, those moments that we experience, those of us who have a dearness in our heart around the community of faith in which we were supported and growing up, when we enter into a more expansive space or many new worshiping communities that are starting from scratch, we can't assume that the song we always sang is going to resonate with people and you know, or the setup of the space itself might look like the way our yaw is an awesome yaw looked to you when you entered the Pentecostal church. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a grief to that. Definitely. As we talked before, you know, I had mentioned African Methodist Episcopal Every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock for the longest, when church started, we said, let us come into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within thy gates, O Jerusalem. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand hours. I just absolutely love that liturgy, right? The scriptures and how, even though we believe God is with us everywhere, there was something special about coming together in the congregation and singing hymns out loud and standing there together and repeating that liturgy. I've missed it. When I go back, I close my eyes and I'm just totally into it. It served me well. But there are other aspects that just didn't serve me well at all. Mm. And I think a lot of people are finding that they need more than their local assembly is providing them. They don't know what it is. But they want more or their lived experiences are not matching what's being taught in that space. Mm. 
and they want an opportunity to be able to talk about that, talk about the differences, talk about how my believing and confessing is not working for me. There's no space for it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's no space for it. But yet what we're seeing now, we're seeing the development of new worshiping communities that don't look at all like the church on the corner with the steeple. Nothing about them functions that way. People feel like they're missing. Like, I can't do church like that because that's not what my family history is. You know, that's not how Nana did it. And Nana was a great woman of faith. Mm -hmm. That's not how Nana got over in hard times. Nana sang this song. This song meant X, Y, and Z to Nana. And I think we're in a time where things are changing and new worshiping communities don't have a lot of those elements. And that's okay. You put your finger right on it when you said people, they grieve those spaces. But what I'm finding sometimes is that people are choosing to walk away altogether because the new thing seems real weird or demonic and the old <laughs> thing is not working. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so people are kind of left in a liminal space in the type of limbo. Friends, that's it for part one, but we'll be back next week with part two of my conversation with Gina Brown. You can join up with the Faith Studio in the meantime, online at faithstudio.org or catch Gina's latest episode on the Black Seminarians Table Podcast on Spotify. And be sure to subscribe to New Way wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single conversation. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Sarah Hayden. Our fabulous producer is Marthame Sanders. You can always visit us online and see archives of all of our episodes at newchurchnewway.org. Catch you next time.